0: Lone Star 187 most definitely contains elements that are not suitable for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Unit setting up to that. This is Servitec, computer, and the vehicle. Go ahead and reduce but continue. Reduce but continue at <laughs> Case file 63, the would-be killer. Hi. I'm um, back. Hello. How about that awesome sound? Look how beautiful it is. I'm going to fold this down so you can see.
1: So for the first time in a while, we are 100% not shitting you. We absolutely know officially what we're doing. Yeah. I can't take any credit because sister did all of it.
0: But we officially it. know what we're doing now. Yep. I am was bound and determined to figure it out. And honestly... I'm amazed that it ever worked considering how wrong I had it set up. But anyway, it's set up and we're good. It's a beautiful, I can see all these blue lines. We should um, be clear as I'm a bell. I'm sorry, who, who are we? Who am I? Oh, my name is Carrie. And I'm Brittany. <laughs> and together we are Lone Star, Lone Star 187. 187. <laughs> good news is I'm recovering, I just recovered from COVID. For the second time. For the second time. But what I love about that is that my COVID wheeze is back. So when we start laughing, <sighs> my wheeze is back. Yes. I was laughing at my wheeze laughing. It's funny. Okay. So you want to know where we're at this time?
1: Tell me. Do I need to get in my car, my jet, my boat? Um, your car. Yep.
0: My skateboard. Uh, it would be a long drive for a skateboard. Hold on to me. So we're, where we are going is a town called Farmersville, Texas. Classy name. Yes. Do you think um, farmers live there? I'm sure because it's very rural. 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 <laughs> rural. Rural. It's out in the country. Rural, rural. 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 I can't say it. Rural. Isn't it rural? <laughs> Isn't the other R
1: silent? It's rural. It's rural. Anyway. Rural. It's rural. It's out. In, it's out rural. in the sticks. It's rural.
0: Anyway, whatever, shit. Uh, it's we in the
1: um, Just so everybody knows, we are the only two of the five that graduated high yeah. school. <laughs> yeah. Go figure. <laughs> but Oh, no, Heidi graduated. Three, she did. Three of five. Three out of, three out of yeah. two. We are two of the three that graduated, and we can't say rule.
0: Rule. Not R-U-L-E. It's in the sticks, like I said. It's so, the
1: opposite of the urban.
0: It's on the other side of Princeton, basically. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's not too far. Nope. It's North. Definitely can ride my skateboard. But. Um and when I when we go to like wherever. Well, I think whenever we went to Greenville for yes. that. Yes, we did go through We it. did. We yeah. did see it. Because my yeah. friend Angie lives in Greenville and we have to go through Farmersville to see her. Okay. A couple of notable people that are from there. Farmers. Besides farmers. <laughs> farmer Bob, farmer
1: Joe, farmer Steve. You
0: don't have to be lonely at farmersonly.com. Have you not seen that commercial for the Farmers only dating site? Um,
1: clearly not. Okay,
0: that's how. It's that's not their a jingle, jingle. That's in my. That's <laughs> a jingle. It's old though. So the basis for Drowning Pool, Stevie Benton lived in Farmersville only, and went to. Only you would know that. Hey, and went to Farmersville High School, and then Tex Watson. Does that name sound familiar to you? It better. Quatson? Tex Watson. Can I phone a friend? Sure. Let
1: me just ask Google. Okay, Okay.
0: our listeners are going to be very disappointed that you don't recognize this name for two reasons. One, he's from Texas. Well, clearly his name is Tex. And two, I guess you're about to find out. I'm going to, we'll play some on hold music. Do,
1: do, 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 Tex
0: Watson. Do, do, do. Charles
1: Denton Tex Watson is an American murderer who was a central member of the Manson family. There you go. On August ninth, 1969.
0: That's a different story. <laughs> Um, August 9th is my birthday. He grew up in a surrounding town, but went to Farmersville ISD. Okay. So he was part of the Manson family. So clearly a lot of smarts come out of these towns. Yep. And also in the 1930s, Farmersville was known as the onion capital of North Texas. Annually.
1: Was it the size of the onion or like the taste of the onion?
0: um, It's because they annually shipped over 100 carloads of onions. Car loads. Can you imagine in having the to drive? Not not trucks. Ugh. Yeah, I wouldn't want Stinky that. You'd, you'd be stanky, stanky. Okay. My source is an episode of Forensic Files called "Would Be Killer," and "Would" as in W O U L D, not W O U L D. Okay. Okay. It's season ten, episode forty one. Okay. So it's March, not the summer, but March of two thousand four. It's 7.30 in the morning, and a woman by the name of Pam O'Neill is going to visit her daughter. Um, She gets to her daughter's house and notices that the back door was unlocked, which is unusual. Um, So she ran inside and saw her granddaughter, Avery, laying on the bed, crying, but she couldn't find her daughter. Her name is Rochelle. So she's calling out her daughter's name, but there's no answer. So she starts looking everywhere in the closets, under the bed, but she couldn't find her anywhere. Uh, And she could tell that that there was some kind of disturbance because the bed had been moved away from the wall, and I guess the headboard wasn't attached, so it had fallen forward onto the mattress.
1: What an eerie sight. Isn't that
0: weird? And then the nightstand was pushed away from the wall. But her purse was still there, and so was her car. So her mom was super confused. Um, She went into the kitchen, and she noticed in the kitchen there were divorce papers strewn all across the floor. But on one of them, there was a large shoe print as if somebody had stomped on it or someone with a dirty shoe stepped on it.
1: Mm-hmm. A little suspicious. A little sus, right? Like so clearly make, she's going it through planted? divorce. Was it
0: right? accidental?
1: Somebody was like, I'm going to put this here and I'm going to step on it.
0: Or, or maybe they were just a, struggling. There's a scuffle. There's a ruckus. Can you describe the ruckus? I'll describe the ruckus. <laughs> um, so Gregory Davis, who was the assistant district attorney so they call the cops everything the cops get there and um, clearly there was somebody else in the house uh, because of the shoe print and the way things were left so Rochelle's mom called her soon-to-be ex-son-in-law Andrew Tolleson to let him know what was happening and she told him hey look I can't I can't find Rochelle the baby was here by herself and he was at work and said he couldn't leave right now which is not the response you would expect I would be like I'd say no more I'm
1: on my way. Like, I yeah. don't care where I'm at.
0: Exactly. I think my job will understand.
1: Yeah. And if they
0: don't, then they're not a good job for me. Yeah. I don't want to work there. No. Family needs to come first. So police questioned as many residents as they could, and they organized a search party to look in every field and every pasture. Uh, the search was huge, and there was immediate reaction all over the place. There were ATVs. People were riding around on horseback, walking around. For five days, they searched and searched with no trace of her anywhere. Her father kind of thought, well, with so many people that didn't really know her that well, maybe she just ran off. But the mom was like, there is no way you can convince me that Rochelle would leave without Avery. And at least maybe if she left
1: Avery with a family member, maybe. But just in the house by herself
0: doesn't make sense. No, and she's a little baby. She was only like eight or nine months old, so the, she wouldn't just leave her on the bed like that. Like no. it's it's she wouldn't do that. So Rochelle Lynn Tolison was born in Farmersville, and at this time when she disappeared, she was only twenty years old. She was trying to raise her six. She's six months old. Sorry, she was a very great and dedicated mom, but she was going through a rough divorce. Clearly, so on March twenty third, this was. Five or six days after she went missing, mm-hmm. a man hiking on a state land about 10 miles from where Rochelle lived discovered the charred remains of, of a, mannequin. a young female. It was not a mannequin. There's no burned mannequins. It's no, it's always. It's never a mannequin. I
1: thought you were going to throw me for a loop. No, no <laughs> not this
0: time. I mean, I should. I should make up some shit. He walked upon... A mannequin. A naked mannequin. And when he moved the mannequin, there was a dead body. <laughs> and strictly to his he left. Covered, he covered the dead body with the mannequin to throw everybody off. Genius. Yeah. Oh, it is just a mannequin. No, no worries, guys. Really. Keep keep walking. It's a mannequin and a body. So about 100 feet away from where they found her body, there was an open area and there was like a fire pit where they found several logs. I just don't know how anybody
1: could set a body on fire.
0: I don't... And I've heard many
1: stories like it's hard to get a body to actually ignite.
0: Well, I mean, you have to have... Like, the clothes must be combustible because you can't just, like, set a person on fire without something to ignite them with, like, gas or... What was that one lady? She used lighter fluid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It just... So... And then I've heard, you know, people... Different stories, you know, where they're like, oh, well, we put lighter fluid or we put gasoline and then, like, they... They didn't like, it's like they think they're just going to whoosh, go up like wood and like like we're covered in liquid, right? We're like 90% water and then we have oils. Like we have a lot of things going on. We're not a, but we're not a wooden mannequin. We don't go up. Definitely not. Are they made of wood or are they plastic? They used to be wood. Now they're plastic. Okay. Or like those, um, wooden mini mannequins for drawing. Oh yeah. (laughs) Never mind.
0: (laughs) I know what you're talking about. Like a marionette kind of yeah, thing Yeah, but strings. there's no strings yeah. to help you learn how to draw people. Yeah. Okay. Maybe mannequin. So Jerry Farmer, which I just realized, Farmer's Phil, Jerry Farmer, um, he is an FBI evidence technician. He was one of the first on the scene. He noted that a, that tall vegetation had been piled up on top of her body in a sad attempt to cover it up, obviously. But her body was badly burned and had started to decompose. So one of the cops that showed up, her name is Vicky. She said she'd spent many hours with Rochelle's mom, and to have to go back and tell her that they found her body, but you can't see her because she can't be identified. You can't touch her and tell her goodbye was one of the hardest things she's ever had to do. Right? Because like I can't this whole six days, I'm sure they were like inseparable. The mom yeah. would be like us, like "Where's my daughter? Where's my daughter? Where's yeah. my daughter?" And then now she has to tell her, "We know it's her through dental records." Mm-hmm. But you can't see her. I, I don't think I would want to see that anyway, because I'm sure that is an image you cannot get rid of. No. So most of Farmersville turned out for her funeral, which was at the First Baptist Church. The church can see about 300 people, but that filled up quickly. And um, 250 more people watched a broadcast of it in the church gymnasium that was adjacent to, adjacent to the church. Rochelle loved Christmas music, which was in her CD player year round.
1: Mm. Her mom
0: said, I'll play videos of her at Christmas because that was her favorite time of year. You could always tell how she would get excited and feel like Avery will be. The, and I feel like Avery will be the same way. So even though she was only in her 20s, she enjoyed 70s band called The Carpenters. Mm-hmm. i not really a band. It's a duo. She hated carnations because they reminded her of funerals. Um, and she loved lavender. Just mm-hmm. a few things about her. So after the funeral, her parents released lavender-colored balloons from the front yard, each attached with handwritten notes to their daughter. Uh, and then, in memory of Rochelle, residents have tied light, pur- tied light purple ribbons around the street signs, posts, car antennas, and trees throughout Farmersville. They put several flags at half staff. Recently, she talked about going back to school and being a teacher. She liked to scrapbook and was in the process of working on a baby book for Avery. Mm. Some of her, they called her, her nickname was Shell or Shelly Belly when she was pregnant.
1: Mm, That's so cute. (laughs) Because she was
0: still really little, but she had this giant, giant belly. So it was really difficult for her parents to understand how she could have been abducted from her home in the middle of the night and no one hear it. Her house was three blocks from the police station. (coughs) Three freaking blocks (coughs) and two blocks from the town square. So it's not like she's out on a road or
1: out by herself anywhere. She was close
0: to the main civilization. Yeah. Mm. Because of that, the police didn't believe it was a stranger because generally in a small community like that, it's either going to be somebody within your social circle, somebody that knows you, uh, maybe an acquaintance or somebody that like knows you that you don't know them as well. You know what I'm Mm
1: -hmm. saying? Whenever people hear that, like true crime, they're like, how do you fall asleep? Doesn't it scare you? I'm like, I'm more scared of the people around me than the people outside of my house, you know?
0: Come on in. I got a gun. I will shoot you. I'm like, I'm not as scared of the people
1: that don't know me. It's the people that know me, but maybe not know me that well. You know, yeah. those are the ones yes. that those scare me more than a stranger mm-hmm. just breaking in my house and trying to take my stuff.
0: Um, so the autopsy revealed that she had been sexually assaulted, gross,
1: stabbed, and strangled wrong? to death. Why?
0: Why? Like, I guess you already have to take my <laughs> life. Do you have to take my dignity, too? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it either. I guess guys feel like it's really not ours, that if they, if they want it, they're going to take it at all costs, clearly. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. Like, I, I wish I could just take it off and say here. And when you're done, just ship it to me. Like I wish you know? whenever it's not being used, it like,
1: it's, it like closes up. Yeah. Like, and then like, it would be pointless for them. It only opens when i whenever i'm like okay i'm ready now it can open you know yeah, that's that because would be great. then like if you could like will it closed then like i could like no you're not you can kill me but you're still not going to get it because when i'm dead it's going to be stuck closed so
0: you're sol cement wall dude
1: <laughs> you're stu- no
0: not gonna happen they started going back and looking at um, her soon-to-be ex-husband, right? Because the divorce papers were on the floor and, you know, it's usually somebody that you know and it wasn't a great, I mean, it, it wasn't like it was amicable. So um, he definitely had a motive. <clears throat> and the reason their marriage was on the rocks is that she grew up way faster than he did. Her dad said that she wasn't going to get anywhere. She said, she told her dad, I'm not going to get anywhere being married to him and then it's time for me to move on. Now, this baby was his, right?
1: Yes. Okay,
0: so even though
1: – I know you said she had to grow up before him. Is that just because she had the baby and she would just, like, jumped into mom mode and he was kind of, like, still way far behind her maturity-wise and just didn't step up to the plate like she
0: did? No, I think he was a good dad. I think it's more that he was just really immature. Okay. And, you know, she was probably mature, behind, mature beyond her years before she had a baby. But, you know, having babies – matures you on a level that you're not even prepared for. No. Even if you don't think you're going to, you definitely are going to yeah. mature. Like we know yeah. that sometimes having a baby saves women's lives because the life they were living before was shit mm-hmm. and they finally have a reason and now they've changed everything and they've matured. So I think he was just really immature. But Andrew had an alibi for the night of Rochelle's murder. He was at a party with friends, one of which drove him home after the party. And he didn't leave his home again until the next morning to go to work. But they did find that he was heavily intoxicated during that night and had evidence that confirmed that he had been at his home the entire night because he was so drunk. Um, so his alibi checked out until investigators learned there was a bonfire at the party that he was at. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting, right? Remember, there was like when they where they found her body. Well, first she was burned and, and they found her body. Like wood and there were logs. Mm-hmm. And there was a bonfire, so now they're like, screech. Okay. Okay. I see some similarities in this situation a little bit. Yep. A little bit. Okay. Lieutenant Larry Smart wanted to know if there was any connection between the bonfire and the fire at the crime scene. So they collected logs from the crime scene and took them to a forensic scientist. They sent them to Dr. Henry Grassino Mayer, who was an associate professor of geography at the University of Tennessee. Did you just make all that up? I did. Are you <laughs> impressed? I am. It flowed so nicely. It's almost like I've read this before. Maybe because I wrote it. <laughs> and of course, when they when these kind of professors get that stuff, they're like, Like, you really, what do you want me to do with this shit? Like, I'm not gonna be able to tell you anything about it. Like mm-hmm. it's a piece it's a piece of wood. So this would have thousands and thousands of thousands it, before it was a
1: log, it was a tree. <laughs> Fair.
0: And that's all I can tell you.
1: And it came from the
0: woods. It came from somewhere in the woods. Thank you
1: very much. I'm thank, glad thank I was you.
0: here. Thank you. And I now I don't have to go to court. <laughs> he wasn't enthusiastic about it. But by looking at the logs, he could tell that the wood from both locations were mesquite wood, which is common here. We know that. Mm-hmm. And is used for grilling all the time. It burns slowly and produces very little smoke. But there wasn't really any other way to tell if those... Two sets of logs came from the same source. Okay, there were no distinctive saw marks, and the tree rings were virtually useless. It said Uh, because the reason why the tree rings were virtually useless is because mesquite has small vessels all throughout the ring, so it doesn't have the distinctive rings that you see on other trees when you sand them down.
1: Interesting. Yeah, good to know.
0: So he was he felt left let down. Like I I felt like this was going to be a really good piece of evidence, but this isn't going to help. The logs sit there for a few days. Then the professor remembers. He's like, oh my God, there's a new test that I read about. A test that could identify the chemical fingerprint of wood. Okay. So he said that there's a laser-induced breakdown spectroscopy. Okay. S-P-E-C-T-R-O-S-C-O-P-Y. Spectroscopy? Yes, spectroscopy. Spectroscopy. Spectroscopy is actually very young and hasn't been around for very long. But now it's used by the FBI, and it's used primarily in counterterrorism. So the professor sends the wood to a Dr. Madhavi Marvin at the Oak Ridge National Lab in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. She, the lady, lady. said, you put the wood underneath the laser beam, which causes a spark on the sample surface, and this spark is called a plasma cloud, okay? Mm -hmm. And this contains all the elements from the sample. A spectrometer identifies those elements, in this case, most of the elephant elements most of the elephants. I don't think there were any elephants in this scenario. I but mean we didn't I said see the, it. We didn't so. see
1: any plasma clouds,
0: so we don't no. know what's in the plasma I mean, cloud. There might be elephant shit there in there. Could be. Okay. So there could be. In this case, most of the elements were typical. But titanium was an unexpected element that appeared and clearly this doesn't naturally occur in wood. So this suggested that the mesquite tree was growing near an industrial area. Where titanium polluted the groundwater, and because bon- mesquite bon- trees bon. suck up all the water, yep, they do. Yep. So, <clears throat> eleven logs were tested: eight from the crime scene, three from the bonfire. All of them had the exact same chemical makeup and identical levels of titanium. Isn't that cool? That's like so they were cool. able to identify that, so they were able to determine that both sets of wood matched with about a ninety-nine point nine nine percent level of confidence. so So cool can you you, watch the episode it is super cool to see like you could tell that they were like this is awesome like groundbreaking can you i bet there was a case where they
1: wanted to do this like someone sat around and was like if only there was a way we could test the wood we could determine who the killer was and then they figured this out and they had to wait for some idiot to make a bad decision and do something stupid whether it be commit a robbery or a murder or something that would allow them to do this test this is the can you imagine like scenario
0: the, for like us forensic scientists are
1: like oh my god like we could we could do this that this is a dream right I'm but s- we but we got to wait for an idiot right We're we the need an idiot
0: so this was definitely a forensic first because never before had two sets of wood in a criminal case being found to have the exact chemical finger fingerprint because it came from they, not just did it come from the same population of trees, but potentially the same tree, which is astronomical, right? Investigators, though, are still very interested in Andrew, but even continuing to talk to his friends, they say that he had nothing to do with the bonfire because somebody else brought the mesquite wood, not Andrew. Mm-hmm. Andrew didn't bring the wood to the party. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: The- Maybe it's because it was
0: doused with titanium. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I wonder if it had a weird like smell or different color when it was burning because of the titanium. That's a really good question. So this is really going to throw me off because when I was like listening to it, it kind of made me giggle. So I'll try to get through this without it. But the person that brought the wood to the party was 21 year old Moises Mendoza.
1: (laughs) Did you say he's moist? No, it's
0: Moises. Moises. M-O-I-S-E-S. He makes a loud moist. Not Moses, but he does make loud moises. Actually, I got through that without giggling. Good oh, Moises! He was an air conditioning repairman, but he was also an acquaintance of both Rochelle and Andrew. They all went to school together. Mm-hmm. Her mom said, as weird as it sounds, that he was always in one of her. In, he was he was always in one of Rochelle's classes, even as far back as elementary and middle school. Interesting. So when Rochelle and Andrew separated, friends said that Moises expressed interest in dating her. Her dad said that Moises wanted to be with Rochelle more than she wanted to be with him. There was no evidence that the two ever dated, but as acquaintances, they often saw each other at parties and social gatherings. So it was just Still, a bunch of... Still this seemed innocent enough, right? It was just a bunch of Moises. Just a bunch of Moises. Just a bunch of Moises. So they decided, the, the cops decide, okay, well, let's just look in this guy's past. Like, what the hell, did, you know, what did he do before, blah, blah, blah. Well, he had an extensive criminal background. Mm. He had committed two aggravated robberies where he had attempted to abduct young women in Dallas but was unsuccessful. And he was out on bail for one of those crimes when she disappeared. Out on fucking bail, you piece of shit.
1: Did he get in trouble for any Moise complaints?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Could you keep the Moises down? With your damn wood, with titanium Who names their kid Moises? I know. We're going to get some, we may get some shit from that, but I really don't care. I mean, if
1: if your name is Moises, more power to you. Good for you. I just.
0: Do you want me to just start calling him Mendoza? No. Or do you like it? I like it when you say Moises. So they searched Moises' home (laughs) and found a pair of boots, which were covered in soot and smelled of gasoline. Dumbass. Does it match the print on the papers? They sent the boots to make test impressions of the print to see if they match the print on the divorce paper <sighs> from the kitchen. Tell me, Trebek. From the visual inspection, you could tell they match pretty well. Mm. But up closer, look, they found accidental characteristics. Do you know what that is? Like pieces of like accidental characteristics, like how the foot goes in the boot no, or like the tread? The tread. So like okay. this guy, since he was a repairman, There were cut marks on the left heel, both on the divorce decree test impression and on his actual boot. Right. Because of where he walked. So like it wasn't just a perfect imprint of a brand new shoe. You could tell they had been worn. Mm -hmm. Like if I stepped on a rock, like mine may have a hole from where the rock was imprinted and I pulled it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So those are accidental. Mm -hmm. So because of that, it was a perfect match. So, yes, Mm. it was a match. They also tested a pair of his jeans. They also tested a pair of Moise's jeans that were covered in soot. Um, and underneath the soot were tiny bloodstains. Yep.
1: He didn't like cut himself working on HVAC.
0: Nope. Uh, the DNA profile of the blood that was on his jeans matched Rochelle Tolleson's oh, blood. Oh, my God. Yep. So homicide detectives confronted him with all of the evidence and he acted as if he didn't give a shit. He was detached from the whole situation. He had no remorse. Very, very cold person.
1: Clearly if he could do that and her daughter was there and then you leave her leave daughter. Her there.
0: That baby, you know, the baby, she may not have been crying at the time, but like clearly you have no morals. If you're going to, first of all, do what you did to her and then just leave the baby there for like, what if the baby like rolled over and like, she was only six months old. What if she accidentally rolled over in the bed and like, was suffocated by the damn blanket yeah. or fell off the bed, had a head injury. Like, you can't. We're moms, so we think like that.
1: The house caught on fire. Clearly he wasn't. It got too hot inside or too cold yeah. inside, and she's
0: laying there shivering. You or know? A dog comes in because the door's unlocked. Yeah. I, like, the, like You can go on and on with all Absolutely. the different things that could happen. So on March 25th, they arrest him at his parents' house, and they held him on $500,000 bond. They finally get him to confess. This is what they, the investigators came up with. As to the events of what happened the night of the crime, okay? Okay. So they say Moises went to the bonfire party and brought along some mesquite wood to burn. They said he was drinking, and the friends that were there said that he was drinking and he was very angry. He had gotten into a fight with several people at the party, specifically with two women, where he threatened to kill those women. Mm -hmm. Kill them? He threatened to cut their heads off. He was making all sorts of threats. And when Mendoza saw Andrew at the party alone, he knew that that meant Rochelle would be home alone. Oh, my God. What a psycho. He left the party at 2 a.m. The evidence suggests that he drove to Rochelle's house. Of course, we have no way of knowing what he said to get into the house. But it shows, obviously, the evidence shows that there was a struggle. That her divorce decree fell on the floor, which he stepped on, clear proof that he was there. Where he took her afterwards is unclear, but the evidence suggests that he raped, stabbed, and strangled her to death. Later, he used some of the wood to start the fire in the deserted state park to incinerate all the evidence, which clearly he failed to do. Mm -hmm. The medical examiner testified that she sustained a five-inch diameter bruise on her left knee, a smaller bruise on the front of her left thigh, bruises on either side of her tongue. A large amount of hemorrhage deep in her left shoulder.
1: Bruises on her tongue?
0: Uh, I'm sure she was just holding.
1: Biting down? It wasn't like from him
0: punching her or anything? (sighs) Uh, Several bruises on her scalp, ranging in diameter from three quarters of an inch to three inches. A deep wound consistent with injury from a knife penetrated her neck all the way to her fucking spinal column. Her body had been burned post-mortem, thankfully. And so they determined her death was consistent with strangulation and another form of asphyxiation. It says strangulation or another form of asphyxiation. I thought I said and, so or. They also learned that about five, af- five hours after her body was found, Moises called a friend and asked her to meet him at his parents' house. She agreed, and they went for a drive. She told the police that he seemed very nervous. Then he st- suddenly started crying and blurted out that he had killed Rochelle. He told the girl that he went to Rochelle's house to pick her up and that they had left they had left the baby in the bed asleep, which you and I both know mm-hmm. no mom's going to do that. Um, he said they left the house to go buy cigarettes. She said he showed her how he strangled her um, by pressing his thumbs into her throat. He said they had sex three times but didn't explain when or where. He said he first hit her in some brush and rubble in a field behind his parents' house. But after police came by to question him, he got really nervous and paranoid and decided to move her some land that his cousins owned east of Farmersville, they owned like a hundred acres, uh, near the Hunt County line. He used matches and gasoline to set her on fire. And so the woman went to the police and wrote a statement describing this conversation that she had. So he didn't she tell her how or why he stabbed her? Mm-mm. He didn't mention the stabbing. I guess everything he said it's what she said. So he left a lot of shit out. Clearly, and with so all of he, her injuries, he just
1: wanted to kill her to kill her. He didn't. I think he kill liked her because he raped I think her. He,
0: I think he liked her, and she didn't like him. And when he he was already angry, and he went over there to try to get with her, and she turned him down. And I think he got pissed off and took what he wanted. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. It makes sense. The shitty part about this all is, if he hadn't been out on bond, none of this would have happened.
1: Another senseless crime. Yep. Because of our justice system.
0: And here's the other thing that really... This guy isn't the typical, oh, I had shitty parents that abused me or neglected me, so I can't help it. Or it isn't my flaw, fault, blah, blah, blah. He had a really good childhood. He had loving parents and siblings. The guy's just pure evil. Some of the stuff I read that he did to women makes me want to throat punch his ass, really. He, he raped a young girl, filmed it, and the damn film was shown at some party, so other people saw it. Him and some of his hood rat friends... I think I added that myself clearly (laughs) robbed young women at gunpoint at Eastfield Eastfield college, which you know where that is. That's a Mesquite. Two of his teacher, two of his high school teachers testified that he had been smart, but unmanageable. He was disrespectful to female teachers, lost control and became very, very angry at times. His neighbors also testified that they had witnessed him physically attack his mother and his sister. He stole money from his brother Why did he hate women so much? I don't know. Like, what's always geared towards women. And if he's got a good childhood, then maybe he's just one of those people that are just born evil. Or or maybe there is some kind of thing that happened that, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. One of the officers, Scott Kerms of the Plano Police Department, testified that Moises was issued a criminal trespass warning after police responded to a disturbance call regarding threats being made and that a machete was found in his vehicle. Holy while shit. he was being supervised supervised by the Dallas County Probation Department and was on electronic monitoring. He cut the monitor from his ankle and stopped reporting to the probation officer. So in June of 2004, three months after her death, he was tried and convicted of first-degree murder and was sentenced to death. Good. So her mom, Pam, openly cried while I was reading while she read the victim impact statement, and the whole time during the trial was holding a picture of her granddaughter, Avery the whole time. What she said to them was, you know what you have done? You took our only daughter, Austin's only sister, and most importantly, you took away Avery's mommy. In our eyes, you're worse than an animal. Not only have you hurt our entire family, but you you have also torn apart your entire family. You took Rochelle what she you took from Rochelle what she wanted most. She wanted more than anything in life to watch her baby take her first steps, say her first word, and she'll never get to hear her daughter, sorry, call her mommy. after the after the sentencing mendoza's sister elizabeth apologized to rochelle's mother for her brother's actions i'm so so sorry please forgive him please forgive him and of course her voice was shaking as she begged and hugged him pam said in response you you were all right we just need time we will we just need time um so michelle's rochelle's parents are now raising their granddaughter avery they are also very grateful for the the detectives that search for a scientific solution, right? Instead of just saying, "Yeah, nothing can be done," they actually went the extra mile to find a place that could search, that could check the wood and actually make that. that they were like, discovery. "We are going to
1: make this the first. Yeah. We were going to figure this out. This
0: guy's not going to go He's free. He's not. Yeah, whatever. We got. We're testing wood here, man. Uh, and that the result of that." Tests made forensic history. And then so in June of 2009, oh wait, he is actually currently in the Polanski unit, which is in Livingston, Texas. In June of 2009, his, Moises' attorney filed a writ of habeas corpus, challenging that his, uh, challenging his conviction and sentencing. um, Also saying that he didn't have a proper defense. Mm,
1: That's that's always their excuse. Yeah,
0: they're basically saying that his attorney sucked. Um, But the high court refused to review it and, Everything stayed the same. He did the same thing in 2011 with the same exact result. But right now he doesn't have an execution date set. Nothing. So there I also found there's a site called lampofhope.org. So he created this pen pal request. I'm going to read it. My name is Moises Sandoval Mendoza. I arrived on death row on July 1st of 2005. I would like to become friends with anyone who is willing to write to me. I am easygoing and I consider myself a good friend. I would like to meet someone who needs a friend because I need one also. I would like to meet someone who is willing to help me fight for my life emotionally, spiritually, and any other possible way.
1: Financially. (laughs) That's what he's saying.
0: Yes. (laughs) Although I am on death row, my struggle to fight for my life will be long and hard. I still have my appeal process to hope for. I have to keep fighting for my life daily because if I don't, who will? No one needs to. No. I want to meet someone who I can help in any way I can. I realize I'm not in a good position to give out advice, but I always have that hope that my words will help someone from making some of the same mistakes I've made in life. Some of my hobbies include exercising, writing, and reading poetry, drawing, and studying the law. I like all music. I'm looking for a pen pal 18 or older. If anything about me interests you, don't hesitate. Please drop me a few lines so that we can get to know each other. God bless. So he waits
1: till he's on death row to study the law? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a little late, sir. <laughs> maybe if you had studied it a couple years ago, maybe you'd realize that murder is illegal. Yeah. And so, wrong. So morally in every other way.
0: In my quest to like research this story, <laughs> I, I found this. I was like, oops, what if you happen to have the same name as someone on death row, except for the middle name? So there's a story... That I found.
1: Do not tell me there is another human being in this world named
0: Moises. There is. Inmate with the same name as reporter causes confusion. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, let's see. This is November uh, 2009. It says, I first realized the existence of the other Moises Mendoza while I was attending Georgetown University a few years ago. One day, a student working at my college newspaper gingerly approached me. I don't think you're him, but I have to ask. Were you ever in prison in Texas, she asked?
1: Oh, my God.
0: Let's get this out of the way. I'm not on death row. Stop with the emails, the dirty looks, and the questions. I'm not Moises Sandoval Mendoza. I'm a different Moises Mendoza, a law-abiding one. Yes, we're both 25, and we even sort of look the same. But I promise you, I'm Moises David Mendoza, so leave me alone. Damn, that sucks. In the world of the internet, it's getting tougher for me to escape Moises Sandoval Mendoza's shadow. That sucks does not that suck when you hate that? Oh I would God. change my name. Let me scroll down, but I think that so that's all I have. So that is my story of Rochelle <sighs> Tolleson. That made history. So what do you think? Fucked up, right? I'm so excited about
1: this wood situation. Like that is so cool. I know. I thought that was so, that's cool. so cool. That's but- what
0: um I stumbled on it by watching Forensic Files and because of the way they found him, that's why I was so drawn to the story. There that and then it happened in Farmersville, which Mm-hmm. I have a connection to. And actually, one of Brenna's friends from school lives in Farmersville. So, yeah. yeah.
1: See what I mean? It's scary the people that you know, but you don't know, you know?
0: So, poor Avery's going to grow up without a mom. And never
1: re- but, know her mom. Well, I'm sure her. Well, no, thing. there's
0: lots of, um, there's a picture that I found on the internet of Avery. And then they have like a picture imposed of Rochelle and it's, there's wings on but it. But I mean, like, Know her. She's not
1: going to be able to go back and have a memory of her and her mom. You know, she's only going to live vicariously through her
0: family. The memories that she's taught, right? Yeah. You know,
1: at least if you lose your mom when you're five or six, you still have some memory, remember about her, and it's sad that she'll. Yeah. Six months old. Yeah. She. It's only what she sees in pictures, videos, and what people tell her. Yeah. So she has to reminisce about her mom through memories of other people, which is sad. They're not her own memories. Well. Rest in peace, Rochelle. Yeah, rest in peace. Good story. Thank you. Is that a wrap? You got that's any other questions? All no, right. That's it. All right. Until next Yay time. For
0: sound. Yay. Yay. Okay.
1: All right. Bye, Bye y'all. y'all.